Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 52 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Andrea Tolleson, and Andrea is from the suburbs of Philadelphia, where she is a data systems analyst at a charter school. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, Jen. Well, I'm super glad to talk to you today. We've actually spoken before, both on a podcast and in person. Yeah. And the- I was on your podcast, mm-hmm. and then um, you came on the second annual Delay Don't Deny Cruise in March. We had such a good time. That was a blast, yeah. And it was nice to meet you in person. And I, it's like, wow, we chatted already. I feel like I know you. <laughs> well, it's true. When How long ago was it that I was on your podcast? Well, it was, I want to say it was probably a year ago. Probably so. I was thinking yeah. that too. And 
By the way, you're a milestone episode because, like you heard me say, you're episode 52. I so heard. That was so exciting. You're wrapping up my first <laughs> year. So it actually feels good to come back full circle to talk to you because we were catching up a little bit before I clicked start recording. And um, the first time I used the platform that I used to record was when you interviewed me. So I'm, I'm back around. I'm honored to be the, the one-year episode. Hopefully, it'll be a good one. You are. Well, it will be. So... You know, as a podcast listener, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Sure. So I feel like how I got to fasting is a little bit unusual. I started fasting in March of 2018, but I came to it sort of in a roundabout way because in October of 20, no, August of 2017, I had started this crazy strict diet and I was based on a food addiction model. I was convinced I was addicted to sugar and, you know, needed to give it up to have any sort of peace. And I lost a lot of weight and I hit maintenance in January of 2018. And I got to a weight that I hadn't seen since like middle school. So it was significant. Like I had lost 30 some pounds on that diet, but it was not sustainable. I was miserable. And even on like, I had a maintenance plan. So, you know, that, that would have been fine supposedly. Right. But then I was on maintenance for two months and I was absolutely miserable. And I started looking into something called intuitive eating and one of the intuitive eating principles talks about you know generally not eating when you're not hungry and here i was on this diet i was eating breakfast at like 6 in the morning and i wasn't hungry for breakfast at 6 in the morning and i was familiar with intermittent fasting from my wife who had started sort of the delay don't deny method of fasting in january of 2018 and so when I decided that I needed to be done with that diet and I wanted to actually honor my hunger, that actually led me to doing something that was probably like a 14-hour fast at that stage. And I knew there were health benefits associated with IF, which is why I was considering it. Like I didn't want to lose any more weight. I would have been happy if some of the my thighs had shrunk a little bit, but it was more <laughs> yeah. it was more important to me to find peace of mind. Like that's what I was really lacking at that stage. And so fasting for me was a a possible avenue to that. It sounded like you were going to say something. I was. I was just going to say what was really getting you down it was the restrictions, yes. right, on what you were eating. So how I know you mentioned that you had to give up sugar what other things had you given up on that? Yeah. Um, so it was the sugar, any sort of sweetener. Like if if there was a sweetener in the first three ingredients of anything, it was basically a no-go. And same thing with flour. Like any sort of flour whatsoever was completely out of the picture. It wasn't even about the gluten. It was just about the flour. And so that rules out a lot of different things. But then even that aside, the restrictive nature of the diet was like I was measuring all of my foods and I was eating the same food groups at the same meals every day. Like, and 
the foods, you know, the, the list of foods I was able to eat was pretty expansive, but it was just this notion that at breakfast, you're always going to have this food group and this food group and this food group, and they're always going to be in the same amounts. And then at lunch, it was the same thing. And so it was like this rigor that wasn't sustainable. And it really, like, that's not how our bodies work. Our bodies don't need the same things every day. And and like I, you know, I'd raise questions in the support groups for this diet and people were telling me that if if they got at the end of a meal and they were still hungry, they weren't going to eat because it wasn't allowed for them. Or if they got too full before they finished their food, they would still eat because that's what they were supposed to do. And I didn't, I didn't want to live that way. And so fasting for me was honoring the fact that I wasn't hungry first thing in the morning. And then from the health benefit side of things, the thing that I was really interested in was the reduction in allergies potentially, which was, you know, I, I saw that as something that was a potential side effect was allergy symptoms going down. And then there, I feel like there's some studies that suggest that fasting helps for like dementia prevention. Yes. And lots of neurological benefits yeah, out there. And that's something that has happened in my family, dementia. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, if it helps with my allergies, great. And if it helps me prevent dementia, great. But it wasn't like, for me, it was really about honoring my hunger. It, it sounds like that the diet you were following before was pretty much the opposite of intuitive eating. It, yeah, it definitely was. And so I I came to fasting from a very, my intentions were not weight loss. Like I know there's people who pursue it for that reason. That that wasn't my intention. Um, you were looking for freedom. I was, yeah, I was looking for freedom. And, you know, I've been practicing IF now for almost a year and a half. And the challenge for me has been in finding that balance, but like really unlearning all of the dieting crap that I had done. So my IF journey has actually led me to gain weight, which I I don't know that that's a lot of people's stories, but I was underweight. And so my healing has led me to gain some weight back. And now it I would say, according to the scale, because I do weigh myself a couple times a week, I seem to have reached like a maintenance for me that I'm I'm living my life every day exactly how I want to live it without restrictions or anything like that, and I seem to have settled in to a, a range that my body is maintaining without any effort. Which I mean, that's that's freedom right there. It is. It really is. Now you said before you were underweight. Yeah. Did you feel underweight at the time? I would. I would say that I did in in a couple different regards. So I'm when I hit maintenance, I I was 40 years old. I'm a mom. I mentioned that I had gotten to a weight that I hadn't been since I was in middle school. Yeah, that's a pretty low weight. Yeah, so <laughs> middle school, like, or your middle school weight. Yeah, I was. I'm six feet tall, and when I got to my maintenance weight on that diet, I was a size six. So I was I was really slim. And for me, the dis-ease of that weight was a couple things. It was, I was anxious all the time about like, because I was still losing weight, even though I was following the maintenance plan, like I was still 
losing weight. And so it just, it felt like, oh, where is my body going to want to stop? And like, it was just obsessed with, you know, I wanted to listen to my body, but what is my body telling me? It's still losing weight. And then at the same time, I was fatigued all the time. Like, so it wasn't, nutritionally, I wasn't getting what my body needed. So there was this psychological distress associated with that weight that I think it was my brain's sort of fighting back, like trying to tell me that something was wrong. And then I also just had this sense of, it was almost a sadness, right? Because like I have a son and there's something to be said about like the closeness of being with a child or with a partner. And like, just, I felt too slim. Like I felt too bony. I didn't like, I didn't like that. And I felt- You didn't feel like you were in your right body. Yeah, I didn't. Exactly. So it was more a mental sort of disease. Like I I would say, you know, I got lots of compliments and I liked the way I looked in my clothes, but I didn't like how I felt. Right. And I think this is a very important story to tell because you're the first person that's ever told the story of, you know, being too slim and gaining weight with intermittent fasting. Because most people, you know, I I have these Facebook support groups with, you know, so many thousands of people. And I could just imagine someone saying, oh my gosh, I'm gaining weight. What's wrong? Why isn't this working? When really that, that was intermittent fasting working for you. Your body needed more weight. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, talking about sort of the psychological freedom, it was, I don't know exactly when this started happening but I can recall times like walking down the hallway at work and I just had this sense of like the words that I started to associate with my body were like solid and strong. And like these words just were like coming, like they were almost oozing from my pores. Like there was just this confidence in how and I And that was, was after you had been doing after I asked, intermittent fasting. After I had gained the weight yeah. back. And like the the process of gaining the weight back was not easy because I feel like we're we're so conditioned to want to be losing. And then when I knew my body was gaining, because my clothes were starting to to feel different and I needed to buy another size. And I resisted getting the larger size for quite a while because there was a lot of distress. Like I didn't want to be gaining weight, but I knew that I was honoring what my body was leading me to, which was a weight that was actually going to be sustainable. And so I didn't, I stopped weighing myself for a little while. So I started IF in March and I only weighed periodically and I wouldn't even look at the scale. I would have my wife write down the numbers and I didn't want to know what the numbers were. And I remember there was one day where She's like, and you really don't want to know what the number is, right? (laughs) I'm like, no, I really don't want to know what the number is. But by the fact that you said that, I know that I must have gained a little bit. (laughs) It's like, it was just this mind game. And so then I stopped weighing myself over the winter completely. Starting in April again is when I've started weighing myself. And I'm really just looking at it as an experiment or like as a, not experiment. It's just like a data point. I'm trying to really understand what happens with my body. Like, you know, oh, I ate this and I I think I might've overeaten and oh, the scale is up a little bit or I'm feeling really bloated today. Like the scale is up a little bit. It's just, it's really fascinating, but I'm trying to do it from a very detached place. Like- Kind of like a like a data a data systems analyst would do, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> using the data as data, yeah, not something to get emotional about. Yeah, because the thing is, like, I still 
feel good and my clothes are still right. fitting. Like now, you know, talk about things that fasting has done for me. I feel like I mentioned feeling more solid. I do feel like I, I don't exercise regularly. If I do stuff, it's more like walking and like, you know, sort of gentle, gentle movement type stuff. But I feel like my muscle mass is like, I feel like my legs are actually stronger, more muscular. And I feel like my shoulders have maybe even gotten a bit broader, which I don't know if you've had anyone else talk about that. I don't have any like data behind it. Like I'm not doing measurements or anything like that. So I don't know for sure, but I know my shirts are fitting differently in my shoulders, which is odd. You know, I look at at myself from, you know, I've told my diet story many times over the years. There was a period of time when I managed to hang on to a low weight through the use of diet pills, which I'm not proud of now, but I got them from the doctor. So they must have been okay, right? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) The doctor gave them to me. And so I was able to, as long as I took them, I was able to keep my weight down low. And I'm actually smaller than I was then, thanks to intermittent fasting. But my body looks so different. Like I'm a lot more muscular now. Like like you said, with your shoulders, I see shoulder definition mm, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, I'm certain that I have more muscle mass mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. than I did at that point. Uh-huh. And one of the other things, and it's, I feel like when we were on the cruise, you mentioned that there had been some new research about like vascular healing. And one of the things that I noticed last winter was I felt less cold. Like I'm in the Philadelphia area and winters, you know, are are cold, but I feel like I wasn't as cold this past winter than I had been in winters prior. And can you remind me like what what was some of the evidence around the vascular stuff? Am I remembering that there was some evidence around that stuff? Yep, there there was. Now you're asking me to stretch my back. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely have found the words, the words, let me see if I can pull it out of my brain. That it slows vascular aging. Okay. The signs of vascular aging, all the ways, I mean, I'm not a vascular expert. You're not. All the ways that they measure, (laughs) no, sorry, all the ways that they measure vascular aging, it makes our our vessels young Mm. again. Well, if if young for me means that I'm not as cold, then like that, I I really do feel like that's been a difference. But that's, you know, it's not something that I can quantify. It's just this sense. And I feel like since I'm not doing measurements and I'm not, like I didn't lose weight and all those things, a lot of the things for me really are about the, the freedom of the lifestyle and being able to being able to go on vacation and really not stress out about what I'm going to eat. And, you know, if I go camping with my family, there might be days where I do break my fast early. And then there's going to be other days where I'm like, you know, that breakfast really isn't appealing to me. And so I don't, right? Like right. I, I truly just live my life. You know, yesterday I had a 10 hour eating. <gasps> I did. <laughs> I had brunch and it was absolutely worth it. I'm, yeah. It, it's like, it's really, it's, it was like at eight 30 in the morning. I had brunch at early. <laughs> it's nice to have that flexibility. And that's really where the freedom is. Like I don't have to stress out about it. And I've been talking about that for a little while. So maybe you have other questions. <laughs> No, I just, I, th- I think it's a great point because the freedom really is, I think what's most appealing to so many of us. You mentioned that you were tired of being on that diet roller coaster and you had to, what was it? The diet crap thinking is that the way you put <laughs> I think, it, yeah. That we had to unlearn something like that. You know, for me, the same way, you know, there's so much emotion tied in with food, like good food, bad food. And, you know, it sounds like the restrictive plan you were following did have, you know, okay or good foods and then foods that were, you know, the bad mm-hmm. list. 
And then once you you ditch all that and all food just becomes food mm-hmm. again, it really changes everything. Yeah, it really does. So so what do you how do you think about food differently today versus, you know, the Andrea of, you know, what 18 months ago? Yeah, so the things that are most notable since starting IF, there's a couple of things. First of all, I have less tolerance for foods that aren't as good. (laughs) So like I, I used to love Pringles and I was one of those people that would, don't, don't you dare put a full canister of Pringles in front of me because that canister would be gone. That's one. Yeah. Right. And (laughs) And now like we had this, like this box that included some mini packages of Pringles, right? Like the third, third of the full size. And I ate them and I was like, wow, these, these aren't as good as I remember that they were. Right. And so now like they don't have the allure anymore, right? Like I think we still have some in the basement where we brought them to a trip or something like, and it was okay. Like I wasn't like, oh my God, don't take the Pringles. And so there's other things like that too. Like most notably, you know, we're coming up on Halloween and I remember last Halloween, it was the first Halloween after the crazy diet where there was no sugar and all that stuff. And I remember allowing myself to look at the candy bowl and say, okay, what, what in this is speaking to me? And a couple of things that are different for me is like, if I'm in the mood for chocolate, like M&Ms, let's say, I'm not going to settle for a bag of Skittles because that's part of being intuitive is like, I feel like a lot of times when we do end up overeating, maybe it's because we aren't actually listening to what we wanted in the first place. (laughs) Like, I agree with that. Absolutely. And you keep eating till you find the thing that fills that gap that you yes, were searching yes. for. Yes. Perfect example. There's, I don't, I don't know, like I, I'll, pro- I'll say there's, there's little chocolate candies in little wrappers that are really cute and very convenient to give away. I'm trying to not to mention brands. So I would, <laughs> I know what it is. I'm yeah, hoping, I, I can, I I'm can hoping guess. the listeners do too. And so I, we would have yeah. those in the house because one of the things that we've done for our family is that we tried to bring chocolate into the house so that it doesn't have the power over my kid, right? Like, oh, you want something sweet? Sure, you can go have this small piece of chocolate. No big deal. And so what I was finding is I was going and I was getting these chocolates and I would have a couple and I'd be like, yeah, that's, I, I need more. Like I was having this sense of needing more. But then what occurred to me is that it wasn't actually that I needed more of these little chocolates. It's that the quality of the chocolate wasn't actually satisfying that craving. And so now we went out and bought a slightly larger chocolate with those little, uh, what is the word, inspirational sayings on the inside and the quality of the chocolate <laughs> is much higher. And I yeah. can get by. You could say the name of the chocolate okay. if you want. That's it's okay. not a big deal. <laughs> but like I can get by with less because it's right. actually it's making, like I'm satisfying. Yeah. It's, it's satisfying. And so such a good point. Such uh, listeners get this point. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not being satisfied with what you're eating, you're going to keep wanting more food until you find the thing that satisfies you. So go straight to the thing that's going to satisfy you. Absolutely. And so, you know, talking about Halloween candy in particular, like I, there's so many things in that Halloween candy bowl now that just don't have any pull. Like I would, I tried one last last fall and I'm like, yeah, that just really wasn't as good. And so now 
I probably won't have it again. It's like, you know, I used to be worried about moderation, right? And that was part of this thinking that I was addicted was that I could never just have one of something. Well, first of all, I probably wasn't eating what I actually was craving. And second of all, I don't remember what I was going to (laughs) say. That train left the station. But you were not really addicted. You were not really addicted. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe. Is is that where you're going? I don't, I don't really think that I was addicted. I definitely, you know, I grew up in a verbally abusive, challenging household, and I definitely had the inclination to turn to food for comfort. And so I had to unlearn some of those compulsive behaviors, but that's different from being addicted to the food. Yeah, I get what you're saying because one is, you know, the f- the food and you're just going back to the food, but the other is you're soothing your yeah. emotions. Yeah. So a different a different reason. Yeah. yeah. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So th- this year, Halloween's coming up, and are you just going to be like, no? <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's funny because like there's candy dishes at work all the time, and and if if oh, I yes at a school oh yeah at a yes. school yeah, and so and we have like this snack cabinet that always has snacks in it, and when I was on the diet, like I just had to not even look in there, right? Because God, God, don't tempt me, you know. And now, like with IF, I'll have like this craving, like maybe I'm craving something salty and crunchy, or maybe I'm craving something sweet. And if I look in the cabinet and that thing isn't there, I just shut the door. I walk away. Like I, you're like, yeah. yeah. It's, and and like the thing is, one of the things that I love about fasting is that my blood sugar is so much more stable than it was before that I don't get to the point where, oh my God, I have to eat now. And there's freedom in that too, because I can just live my life and 
yeah, it's it's really nice to not. You're not constantly feeding that low blood yeah, sugar. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if I'm honest with myself about when I break my fast, I think that is still where I run into some of my diet thinking sometimes is because I do know that I I have a tendency to break my fast when I'm feeling anxious. And I, you know, whether it's stuff that I'm procrastinating at work that, or, you know, a problem that I'm being faced with that I'm really wrestling with, like my inclination is to be like, Ooh, let me go get something to eat. And then there's like a lot of stress. Like I'm trying to build this business thing. And like, there's just, there's a lot of stress with that. And so I know that I can break my fast for reasons other than hunger. And the thing with being an intuitive eater is sometimes people do that. Like that is part of normal eating. And so I just have to be mindful of like, it's almost being able to do it with intention rather than just doing it mindlessly. I think that's such an important point. You may realize, you know, I'm not hungry right this minute, but I'm going to eat this because, and you're choosing it. You're mindfully making that choice at that moment and that makes it okay. And also then I'm actually choosing what I'm craving. I don't overdo it in the same way as I used to because I'm not, you know, I'm not eating something healthy when I actually really wanted some chocolate. <laughs> you know, food is is about so much more and eating is about so much more than actual just, you know, physical hunger. And I think that's what got me into trouble with the whole intuitive eating myself. Yeah, I talked about this on your podcast which is called Intuitively Intermittent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Am I right? Is that the name, yes. the name of it? And I love that because I think if you asked maybe the leaders of the intuitive eating movement, they would probably say, no, intermittent fasting has no place in our movement. I'm not sure. I'm just no, I'm guessing they've, that. They've because- told me that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would yeah. predict. <laughs> but what's hilarious is, and maybe it's not hilarious, maybe it's sad. I tried for a long time to be an intuitive eater. I read the books. I bought into it all because I'm, I'm a gung-ho kind of girl. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. I'm going to do it. And that was when I got to be 210 pounds is when I was trying to be an intuitive eater. Because when I asked myself, am I hungry? The answer was always yes. Am I hungry? Yes. Am I still hungry? Yes. (laughs) Does my body want? Yes. And so I just ate and ate and ate. And, you know, I would follow the whole stop when you've had enough and then I would stop. But then two hours later, I was, you know, quote, hungry. And I I was on that, you know, blood sugar roller coaster that you you talked about before. And I was constantly feeding my blood sugar and I was constantly in the up and the down. And so I never understood stopping when you've had enough until I I started with intermittent fasting and the clean fast. And really it was once I started fasting clean that I immediately became an intuitive eater within my. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I suddenly got it. I, I completely agree with you. And like, you know, when I've talked to people in the intuitive eating community, it's, they, they can't fathom going, you know, 16, 18, 20, however many hours people are fasting. They can't imagine doing that. Well, of course they can't imagine it because they get to the point where they're feeling hangry. Like no one, no one wants to get to that stage and then wait it out for, you know, six more hours, 10, whatever. Like that's not, no, I wouldn't want that either. But there's so many people in your Facebook groups and my Facebook group, like the people who have been fasting clean and really listening to their body. And in some, in a lot of people that I've talked to, it's 
it, they are really in it for the long haul. Maybe it's, maybe it's more about the health benefits, whether they're losing weight fast or not at all, like they're doing it for the health benefits. And they would say it's very intuitive. <laughs> it really, it really is. And it, you know, it's, it's your, your satiety signals getting back into balance and you're able to listen to the the messages from your hormones. I will say, you know, yesterday when I had that brunch, probably my food came maybe at about 9 a.m. So I really was eating at 9 a.m. But on the way home in the car, we were driving from Atlanta to Augusta. I took a nap. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I never take a nap at 11 a.m., but I had a nap at 11 a.m. in the car. And the whole afternoon, my brain had a fuzzy feeling that I never have when I'm in the fast yeah. state. And I was searching for something to give me that pick me up feeling. And I'm like, this is how I used to feel all yeah. the time. And, you know, whether, you know, when I'm fasting, normally I don't, I don't have that. I'm not searching for something to make my brain happy. Mm-hmm. You know, ketones do that for yeah. me yeah. <laughs> during the fast. And this morning I woke up, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I'm just going to fast to my normal time. <laughs> I'm still fasting now. <laughs> yeah, today I I did break at like 16 and a half hours because I was feeling anxious. I was a sort of a single parent today because my wife works third shift. And so I like I was dealing with some stress and anxiety. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push this. And for me, like a lot of times when I decide to break my fast, like there are some days where I break it because I get to that point where I'm like, I can tell I'm moody. And usually for me, more so than like physical hunger in my stomach, like my mood kind of shifts and that's a sign for me that I need to eat. So sometimes I get to that stage. Other times it's when my thoughts just return to food over and over and over. Because like when I'm in a really well fasted state, I can go for a long time without even the thought of food. And, you know, I don't know if that's the ketones or whatever, but like, I I feel really good. And when I feel really good, like I'm not thinking about food at all. And so when I start to find my thoughts returning to food, even if my stomach isn't necessarily telling me I'm hungry or there's not any other symptoms of hunger per se, like that, that's when I'll probably decide to break my fast. Because for me, like if I, if my thoughts are returning to food on a, you know, every 15 minutes or something like that, that is preventing me from being present in whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's that I'm at work or at home or whatever, like I don't need to be thinking about food all that often. And once I, once I eat, you know, like I usually break my fast with nuts and, you know, some fruit or whatever. Like I, I don't have like a set amount of what I eat. I just kind of look in the fridge or look in my lunch bag and go, well, what am I in the mood for right now? And after I have that little snack, whatever time it is, I'm usually good until, you know, dinner or something. So like I, I have, I would say right now I'm trying to get back in the consistency of like a 16-8. I think if you were to look at it in terms of amounts of food, people would probably say I'm like a too mad kind of person. But I don't, what I have during the day, if I break my fast, I wouldn't consider it a meal per se. It's more like a lot of snacky type things, if that makes sense. And really, you know, if that's what feels like the right rhythm to you, then that's exactly what what your body wants you to do. I'm a big fan of, of that. And one day this past week, you know, I just talked about how I ate brunch yesterday, but last week, maybe, maybe four days ago, one day I was having those same thoughts about food. I was like, I need to eat. I need to eat. And it was only like noon. And I'm like, I'm going to have two meals today. 
And I did. And it was, it was because I think I'd been extra active a couple of days before and my body was like, you need a little more food. And I think that's, yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of, again, like for me, my goal in all of this is peace. It's peace of mind. Like if it means that I need to put on a few more pounds, I'm going to choose the peace over the pounds. Like that's, that is my philosophy right now. And so, cause I need to relearn how to trust myself. And if I'm, if my body is thinking I'm at war with it, there is no self-trust. <laughs> and so I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> No, I, I think that's that's really important. You said earlier, you know, that sometimes when you're feeling extra stressed, you'll you'll open your window earlier. And one thing that's important to keep in mind is that fasting is a stress on our bodies. You know, it's it's typically thought of as a good stress, but it can become a negative stress if we push it. So I think you realizing the connection between a stressed day and opening your window early is just your body saying, all right, this is enough stress for now. Mm. And actually your what you just said made me think of a really perfect example of this. And it was it was I recorded it on a podcast, one of the podcast episodes I did because it, it felt like really profound to me. Almost a year ago on October eighth, I think it was, we ended up very suddenly losing a pet. And it was a pet it was a pet that I had had for 17 years. So it was very sudden over the course of a day. And I went to work the next day and I, I, my insides were just a mess. Like I was crampy. I felt miserable and I was still trying to fast. And when I stopped fighting my body, because my body was in like serious grief and I had something to eat, I felt better completely better. And so the fact that you just pointed that out as like the stress thing, that makes so much sense. Like that was like a light bulb moment for me as to why that was significant. I'm really glad to hear it. And I hope that listeners can have that same light bulb moment of, of then forgiving themselves for thinking that they're weak, you know, because that's, yeah. that's, I think, so much of the problem. They're like, oh, I caved. Oh, I cheated. Oh, I was weak. When really, no, it's honoring the fact that you're your body needs a little something different today. Yes, yes, and actually, it you, what you said kind of triggered that last train that I was <laughs> that I was on. It's this notion <laughs> well, of like we don't have to obsess about the details, right? Like it is about like honoring our bodies and like for me, one of the things that has become really important is making sure that my eating aligns with my values. And for me, one of the values that's most important is about like community, right? And being able to be a part of the communities at church or at my school or even friends. And I feel like a lot of times we compromise, in, in my case, I compromise connecting and community with people that I love in the name of a diet. Like, oh no, I can't go out to dinner with them because I need, or I can't go out to brunch because I'm fasting, or I can't, you know, bring something to the potluck because I'm not going to be able to eat what everybody else brought. Like, there's something, like you said earlier, food is about more than just food. Like, there is connection. Like, there's something to be said about making a dish and putting your heart and soul in it and partaking in the same from other people. Like, that's a gift. I don't want to have to give that up in the name of a diet. And now that I have made peace with the fact that I can really eat whatever I want, I don't have to overdo it 
when I'm faced with the, you know, the, the section of desserts, right? Like it used to be that I wasn't allowing those, those treats. And so, well, gosh, there's 10 desserts. I better have one of everything. And now like, I know that that actually doesn't feel good to my body. And so I can look at the selection and go, okay, I'll, I'll take, you know, two or three that maybe look good. And more often than not now I'm finding that they're actually too sweet. Right. And they weren't like you thought they'd be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you would ask what had changed and how I relate to food. And that's actually something that was, I wanted to mention because when I had given up the the sugar and the flour and all that stuff, I remember when I had just started the IF stuff, I was allowing myself to have peanut butter again, like the, you know, sugar in it, peanut butter. Right. And I remember going through a stage where like, I like to eat carrots with peanut butter. Okay. And if you've never tried it, listeners, you have to try it. It's amazing. I if have you, not tried it. Oh my I gosh. do have carrots in the fridge and I do have peanut butter yeah. in the fridge. Carrots and peanut butter. If you like those two individually, <laughs> you probably will like them together. It's really bizarre and absolutely delicious. Gonna but, have it when I get off this call with you. <laughs> okay. And let me know how it is. Okay. So, <laughs> um, and so what I was finding is I was bringing a bag of carrots to, to, work to have for, you know, one of my snacks or whatever. And peanut butter was available. And in the beginning, when I first started IF, I was, I think I was having peanut butter with my carrots. No, I was having carrots with my peanut butter. <laughs> like the focus for me was on the, the peanut butter. And I think it was because I had given up the sugar so long ago that like the peanut butter was so sweet and delicious. And like, I needed that you know, dopamine hit or whatever. Like it was, there was this urgency around the peanut butter, right? And now 18 months later, the peanut butter doesn't taste super sweet to me, but it's not sweet in a way that doesn't mean that I have to like go back for more peanut butter. It's actually like my palate has changed, but it's changed in a really good way. Like I can't really tolerate artificial sweeteners anymore because they just take, they taste fake. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and like, and then the things that are really sugary, like, you know, a good homemade brownie or something, I might have a bite and go, wow, that's just way too much. <laughs> and so not restricting, like, you know, I know there's been talk in the Facebook groups about giving up sugar and, you know, if, if somebody needs to try that, go for it. But like, there's, there's a downside to that because then when you do incorporate it back, it tastes so sweet that you're like, oh yeah, it's definitely a bad thing. But no, if you just like allow it back into your life and see it as something that's not bad or good, it just is, then you'll be surprised that a few months from now, it won't have the same allure. And that's where the power is because moderation is possible. <laughs> like, that is exactly true. You know, I, I've talked before about how I don't have as much sugar now as I used to because it gives me restless legs if I have too much, especially, you know, like I would be more likely to have trouble from brownies than say ice cream. Ice cream is one that does, works pretty well for me. <laughs> Love ice I think cream. It has, you know, well, it has a high fat content as well yeah. with the sugar. But that day last week when I talked about how I needed lunch, I also had ice cream in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> and I had like a banana split sundae. So it wasn't like a giant banana split, but it was like in a little cup. Uh-huh. And it had bananas and it had strawberries and pineapple and the ice cream. And I dug all that fruit out and ate the ice cream and it was absolutely delicious. And I'm like, yep, that's enough of that. (laughs) And I threw the rest of the ice cream in the trash. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I didn't feel bad later that night. I didn't have restless legs, but I also, you know, stopped when my body said that was enough. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you've talked about like stopping when you have enough. And I think that's one of the trappings of diet culture that I still wrestle with. And specifically, it's like, I, I know that I have a tendency to probably eat more than I really need to at dinner, for example. Like lately, I've been finding that I haven't felt the need to go back for seconds. Like I, when I first stopped dieting, like I was always going back for seconds, right? Like, oh, they're freedom of IF. I'm going to go back for seconds. And now just even within the past couple of months, I'm finding that I'm not like, I'm taking the same size initial portions, but then not often feeling the pull, like I have to go back for more. And I think it's because I'm getting satisfied more easily. And also that my body trusts that I'm not going to, uh-huh. you know, start restricting again. That's where I was going to go with this mm-hmm. because your body probably was panicked from that whole restrictive thing you had been doing. And, you know, we, we know from studying how people's bodies react to diets, like the Minnesota starvation experiment. Have you read much about that? I haven't, although I am from Minnesota. It's fascinating. <laughs> okay. Well, you need to read about it. The Minnesota starvation experiment, it was done around World War II. And there were some conscientious objectors who didn't didn't want to go fight in the war, but they wanted to be part of the war effort. So they, they took part in this study and they basically were put on a very low calorie diet. The researchers were trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to refeed this population of Europe in this, you know, whole war torn zone. And so they, they followed, you know, how the, um, the participants, you know, for how did they handle the starvation portion, which here's something that's really funny. It was the starvation portion. They were given an average of 1500 calories a day. Oh my gosh. And that was the quote starvation <laughs> portion. <laughs> you know, that sounds like, like a huge amount of food compared to some of the restrictive diets I tried. But, yeah. You know, they, they started to become obsessed with food, the participants would read cookbooks obsessively. They started to like eat their food really slowly. And then at the end of the experiment, when it was time for the refeeding, it depended on how they they were allowed to refeed, but they would just gorge. One guy I think had to have his stomach pumped because their bodies were like, come on, you gotta, you gotta eat. You know, that's, there's the signal that your body sends when you're starving. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something that I think and and I found this to be true for myself when I was on the diets is like just the obsession with food. And like, you know, there's so many, like, you know, call it food porn, right? Like there's so many things out there that you can just, yeah, I can't eat it, but I'll look at all the pictures or I'll find all these recipes and, you know, whatever. And like, if I know when I found myself doing that, it was usually a sign that something was out of alignment. And well, that's what these guys did. They started reading cookbooks. I mean, these were not people who were professional chefs. They, they were like obsessed with recipes yeah. and cookbooks. And, and you know, it, it, when you, if, if someone starts feeling those kind of compulsions, that's not a good sign. Yeah. It's, it's not like go for peace of mind. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, like when I, when I talk to people about, IF or it just like last week I was talking to a potential coaching client and she was saying she was looking into keto and I I stopped her and I said, well, think about this for a second. You know, before you decide yes or no, I said, if you knew going into this that you were not going to lose weight, guaranteed, you're not going to lose any weight on keto, would you do it? And she said, no. And I said, then don't do it. (laughs) That is a great answer. Because some people would say yes, because they feel so good when they do it. Yes. 
And, you know, some people do keto and they feel better. And those people would say, yes, I would do it because I feel so good. Yes. And that's when the answer should be yes. I love that question. And and honestly, I'm going to steal it. No, no problem. (laughs) I'm happy to have you steal it. And like when I think about fasting, and this is one of the things that I sort of struggle with is because I know my body is going to change, right? Like I'm, I think I'm going through some like perimenopause type stuff now. Who knows what you know, life in like, I'm only 41, but I like, who knows what life is going to look like when I'm in my fifties or my sixties. Like I may not actually want to fast forever. Who knows? Like, I don't need to know. I can decide for today that this is working for me. And so if I allow myself that flexibility, then today it feels good. So today I'll do it. And right. that, that's sort of like, it's not, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be like, I sign up for it today and then I'm, you know, this is committed for the rest of my life. Like I can, like, as long as I'm heading in the direction of what feels good and really trying to figure that out, my body is smart enough to help me, gui- like it's going to guide me, right? Like now I will pick up on, you know, like if I have some popcorn at work or maybe I have seconds of, a, of something at dinner like, and I find myself feeling bloated. Well, that's an opportunity for me to reflect. Like, does that food maybe not agree with my body? Or did I really eat maybe more than I should have to the point that I'm now I'm a little bit uncomfortable? Like our body is amazing. If we just stop to listen and fasting because of that break that we give our bodies every night, like we actually have the opportunity to tune in, in a way that we wouldn't if we were eating, you know, three meals a day and two snacks. I think that's completely true. But what you don't do is you don't say, well, I sure blew it. Yeah. I ruined everything. Yeah. You, you lose that, that mindset completely. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's all diet stuff, right? Like if, right. if, if there's a notion of good or bad, then as soon as you're bad, you might as well stay bad. But if there's no notion of good or bad and it just is, it's just a lesson. It's just, well, what is this What is this teaching me? This is teaching me that this is a really stressful situation. And like in the case of my cat that I lost, like, you know, like you pointed out, the stressor, my body did not need that stress. Or, you know, I feel a little bloated after this. Well, maybe I shouldn't have had seconds or maybe maybe pasta doesn't agree with me right now at this point in my life. But like, who knows what's going to happen five years from now, 10 years from now, whether or not I'm, you know, continuing to fast or not, like it doesn't change the fact that today I'm listening to what feels good and letting my body guide me in that direction. And I have so much more peace than I ever had when I was following any diet. I love that because peace is what we want. We want to enjoy our lives and we want to, like you said, be able to celebrate with the people that we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, even if that's not, you know, quote within your window, it is because you can open your window whenever you want to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's your new window. It's today's window. <laughs> it's today's window. Yeah. And that doesn't right. mean that tomorrow I have to like be ultra restrictive, right? Like, yeah. and, oh, exactly. Today I'm not doing anything different. Yeah. To make up for yesterday. Yeah. I don't have to. Yeah. And and that's, you know, when I was watching my weight increase, that was one of the more challenging things because when I like when I stopped weighing in November and I started weighing again in like April, I had gained about 15 pounds. And that's the weight that I've maintained now for basically like six, seven months now. But when I first saw that higher number on the scale, it it did freak me out a little bit. And I found myself committing to 
being a little bit more rigorous, which the beauty of IF is that like I can tweak my window without actually going out and buying a new diet book or, you know, like there, there is some flexibility in like, if I really did want to see what an 18 hour window feels like, I could try that. Maybe it would result in me losing some weight. I, so there's like, I love that there's things I can do without actually having to go out and find a new diet. And, you know, just tweak that window. Yeah. Tweak the window. And, and maybe, you know, maybe I'll get to a point where I want to, maybe, maybe I won't. Like, I don't have to know today what tomorrow is going to look like as long as I feel good today. But you feel good in your body. I do. I really do. And like, like I said, like the words that I describe myself with now, like I just, I feel solid. And like, that's a really good word in my mind. Like just feeling like, you know, again, I'm six feet tall. Like I I can feel solid and be happy with that. (laughs) Right. Right. And, and I bet you feel strong and powerful and just in control of it. See that, that's the way I would, I'm, I'm five, five. So I'm, I'm a lot smaller than you as far as height wise, I'm vertically a lot smaller, (laughs) but but I, I feel strong, yeah. you know, in my, my compact size, I feel strong and powerful too. Yeah. And I feel solid at my size Yeah, I, in, in a good, powerful way. And, and I think like we don't, we're not all expected to look the same way. Right. Like, right. I don't know. I, I know there's probably like somebody who actually stated this and would be on the record, but it was this notion that you wouldn't look at a wiener dog and ask them why they don't look like a pug. True. Yeah. We have different shapes and sizes. Like we can honor that and recognize that we all, we all are beautiful in our own way. And I, we have different bone structure. We have different femur length. Exactly. (laughs) And like my, like I'm like Northern European, like I have a lot of Norwegian in me. And so like, if I think about Norwegian people, like it's cold up there. No wonder they have big thighs. Yeah. Like speaking for myself, I don't know that, you know, but like I, I can be proud of my heritage and my heritage is a larger frame, you know, like that's okay. I think, I think that's perfect. And really, I hope that a bunch of people listening today are hearing your story. The the fact that you gained weight from being what you, what you described as underweight and you are letting this be part of your journey and you're okay with it. And you're like, not saying, well, this intermittent fasting doesn't work. It's ruined. You know, that that's not what it's about. You're learning to honor and trust your body. You feel good in your body and your body has maintained at a weight that is probably the right weight for you. Just like mine has maintained really what I do when I have a day where I eat lunch or where I have brunch early in the morning or, you know, go on a cruise and come home. My body maintains in the range that it's in no matter what I'm doing. And I think that's when you have found it. And unfortunately, I think it is for some people higher than what they have in their mind is what they, you know, quote, ideal yeah. want. And dieting, dieting does that. Like there's evidence. It does. There's, di- there's evidence that when you diet below where your body would naturally be, that what's it's this notion of what's called a set point weight range. Your set point range is probably going to be higher than before you dieted. Because your body is, you're literally, you're trying to protect, your body is trying to protect you from yourself by, right. by gaining and that so extra your body, weight. Yeah. Your body sends you the extra hunger signals, yeah. makes you eat more. Your body loves you and wants you to be safe yeah. and wants to keep this terrible thing from ever happening to you again. Yeah. You're right. And instead of viewing that as a negative thing, like I started to try to reframe it and go, you know what? My body really does have my best interest at heart. I might as well try to start working with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's just fabulous. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this... All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah. You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. So I, I know that you you told me before that Christy brought you to intermittent fasting. Is she still an intermittent faster, Ab- intermittent fasting for life? Absolutely. Every day. She definitely is an inspiration to me in that regard. She generally has a shorter eating window than I do, but we're, you know, we have different needs and so it works for our family. And at some point, I think we've both expressed an interest to possibly try a lunchtime window, but that, that doesn't work for our family right now. So, um, you know, right now we, we have our dinners together and, and we do our own different things during the day and it works. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people do gravitate towards that evening window just because it's good family time. Yeah. Yeah, and I enjoy the ritual of sitting down with my husband and my son mm-hmm. that's back living at home. <laughs> The younger son that just turned 20 <laughs> lives here. <laughs> but we have a nice dinner every night, the three of us. And it's just, it's a nice time. Even if, you know, I wanted to have a big meal at three o'clock. Luckily, my body likes to eat, eat a little bit later. But, you know, having that family time is really important. Yeah. So I can understand why you would choose that. Yeah. And, and I have a seven-year-old. And so I, I want to be able to model that healthy, well-rounded dinners. And I use healthy loosely because we're not looking at calories and all that kind of stuff. But it's just, you know, like there's good prepared foods that we, you know, we make with love basically. And that connection time, I really like being able to model that for him. I think it'll end up benefiting him more than we can possibly know. Oh, absolutely. I I think that's true. You know, having that time together, sitting at the table as a family, I think it's important. And I'm really, really sad that I didn't start it sooner. You know, my boys were older. They were in high school when I started intermittent fasting and started, you know, having more family dinners. And then the older one was at college. And I'm like, you know, I'm really, you can't, I guess, go back and feel guilty for what you did. You know, what's the saying when you know better, you do better. But I would like to have gone back to the time, like you've got a seven-year-old, I would like to go back to that time and kind of redo it. Yeah. But of course I can't. Well, and and now like I'm, I'm dealing with, 
I, I know that the choices I'm making now and my commitment to really actually be done with dieting is going to impact him, right? Like I'm modeling, I'm modeling healthy relationship with food. And if I had had that growing up, I maybe wouldn't have gotten into the cycle that I got into in the first place with, you know, the, the yo-yo dieting and all that. So I think that's true. I had that same thing. My mother was a dance teacher. I, I lived the yo-yo world watching her. So, yeah. So we are almost out of time. So to wrap things up, I like for, I like to ask, you know, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or is there anything you wish you knew before you got started? Yeah, I would, you know, I, I mentioned it a little earlier, like when, if you're thinking about trying something and if the, if you knew you weren't going to lose weight, would you still consider it? And if the answer is no, then maybe it's not the right decision. And, you know, really not to say don't try it, but don't force it. I would say, you know, focus on finding peace of mind. And if you're headed in the direction of peace, trust that your body will figure out the rest. I love that. That is such good advice. <laughs> you know, because your body, your body wants you to, to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And if you just listen, you can find it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. It has been wonderful to chat with you today. I've loved chatting with you as well. Thank you so much. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.